welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. All right, welcome to another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm your host, Joe Boris, and we're here for episode one of a series of podcasts that we're doing with Zygo. Now, today I'm joined by Laura Eve. Laura, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this space? What motivated your interest in this field? And what role do you play in advocating for decarbonization software in business? Thanks, Joe. So I really believe that everyone wants to make an impact in the work that they do. And Really, my passion for the work that I do in Zygo was born out of that desire to make a difference and to democratize access to decarbonization solutions for companies of all sizes. And so I started with Schneider Electric over 10 years ago, and this was before Zygo even existed. I've served in a variety of different leadership roles in my tenure at Schneider Electric, and that's really given me a deep understanding of customer pain points around sustainability. And in those other roles, I've worked closely with a variety of different lines of business leads within Schneider. I've worked with global segment teams within Schneider, really to better understand how we can address customer pain around sustainability and the offers that we have to support customers on this journey. So when I started in the business, all the way back in 2012, at that time, we were doing really leading work in the sustainability business for global enterprise clients that were early movers on this topic. And over time, what we began to realize is that the long tail of this challenge that we see with climate action really rested in a segment of the market that was very underserved. And this long tail consists of what we call the mid-market. So it includes small to medium-sized companies that collectively represent a significant emissions footprint. But in most cases, these are the same companies that have no clue how to get started on the journey. And so what this really inspired is for us to build a portfolio of SaaS solutions, and this is what we call Zygo today, where you know, in my current role, I lead that Zygo business. And on the team, we have just a really great group of passionate and talented experts that are building solutions to really enable those companies of any size to make progress toward a carbon-free future. Now, Laura, before we get too much further down the road, what is your official title at Zygo? So I'm vice president of Zygo. I'm effectively the leader of the business. And again, as mentioned, it's a portfolio of different SaaS solutions that kind of sit under that brand. Well, and I think a lot of these things are super mission critical for a number of businesses, but from your point of view, in kind of in your view of things, why is decarbonization so important for businesses in, you know, a climate conscious world? It's a great question. I mean, I think that decarbonization is essential to remain relevant and competitive in today's market. And this is something that's only gonna grow more pronounced in the coming years as the urgency to combat climate change really begins to intensify. So companies are gonna get closer to those net zero, those looming net zero targets that they have, the dates in the calendar. And so this is something that will really be a relevant uh, point that companies have to address. Today, we have policymakers and governments that are enforcing stricter oversight into climate and ESG disclosures. So there are things like the state of California that's recently enacted new aggressive climate laws. There's the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive or CSRD as it's more commonly referred to in Europe, 
which starts to be phased into national law for those EU member states next year. And so these are just a couple of examples, but there are many, many more where, you know, it just is becoming obvious that decarbonization is no longer going to be a choice. It's going to be a fundamental requirement for businesses. Yeah. So it's not a marketing thing. It's something that they're going to be required to do in the same way that they have to do, you know, safety regulations and pay their taxes. You're going to have to do this to stay in business. Precisely. And while we're seeing much more in terms of regulatory and compliance requirements, this shouldn't all be viewed negatively because in general, sustainability does offer a whole range of benefits for businesses. And so this isn't anything new. We've seen where commitment to sustainability goes a long way to enhance a brand's reputation. It appeals to customers who are more eco-conscious and it attracts investors who are really seeking to support those companies that are operating sustainably. And what we also see is that purpose-driven companies who have these commitments to sustainability are able to attract top talent. So this is where employees want to work for organizations that are that lead with purpose and that want to make a positive impact. So yes, in a nutshell, decarbonization, it's not just about being environmentally responsible, but it's a very powerful business strategy that enables profitability and growth. So what are some of the primary drivers behind that, you know, that business case for decarbonization, that profitability and growth? So there are many drivers behind the business case for decarbonization, but to touch upon just a few, I think, you know, consumer and stakeholder expectations, regulatory pressures, risk mitigation, and financial incentives are some of the main forces driving businesses to embrace sustainability and decarbonization in today's environment. And so I'll expand on just a couple of of those a little bit. So starting with consumer and stakeholder expectations, consumers today are more conscious of their purchases and they're conscious of the environmental and social impact of those purchases. They're increasingly choosing to do business with, to buy products, to engage in service offerings from companies that really do demonstrate a commitment to sustainability. And then on the investor side, shareholders and investors want to make investments into companies that are committed to sustainability. They see the benefits that can be realized from a lot of different perspectives, but from brand equity, customer loyalty, resilience, and profitability from those standpoints as well. So I know we don't want to focus on like the punitive, on the negative aspects of regulatory pressures, but those are real as well. That's right. This is one of the most significant drivers, and that's the increasing number of regulations and policies. And this can be at the federal level, the state, the local level. And these are all aimed at reducing carbon emissions and then promoting kind of overall sustainable business practices. And we're seeing that governments around the world are beginning to enact laws around these. There are regulations that they're bringing into play to combat climate change and businesses that fail to to comply are gonna face real legal consequences as well as reputational damage. So adhering to these regulations isn't just a matter of compliance, but it's a way to avoid penalties and ensure long-term viability. Yeah, and some of that's happening in California, I think, as you mentioned, right? That's right. That's There are lots of examples coming out of California. One to just call attention to that comes to mind, the state's gearing up to prohibit the sale of new gas-powered cars. This is a measure that was approved by the California Air Resources Board last year, back in August of 2022, and it requires that all new cars, SUVs, and pickup trucks sold in the state generate zero tailpipe emissions by 2035. 
So that's a policy that's going to have real impact. It won't take existing vehicles off the road, but automakers, car dealers, they're all going to be restricted to selling EVs and certain plug-in hybrids. And so with California being a huge economy, the fifth largest in the world, that's legislation that's going to reach far beyond the state's borders and force you know, some of the world's largest auto manufacturers to comply. Yeah, I think that's going to have a huge impact as well. So one of the things that we talked about early on was risk mitigation. How is risk mitigation driving decarbonization? So that's a that's a really good question. As the impacts of climate change become more apparent, businesses are faced with increasing risks. And those could be risks related to uh, supply chain disruptions or resource scarcity or driven by extreme weather events. You know, we've been seeing lots of those within the past several years. There's a stat that I read recently in a CDP report that sticks out. 215 of the largest global companies report almost $1 trillion U.S. trillion at risk from climate impacts. So it's a staggering number, really. And many of those impacts are likely to hit within the next five years. So in the work that we do, we've really found that adopting decarbonization strategies can help those companies get ahead of the risks and mitigate those risks. So the decarbonization strategies really allow those businesses to think more proactively about how they adapt to climate change to help reduce their exposure to resource price fluctuations and enhance overall resilience. And in this way, sustainability becomes a strategic risk management tool that really safeguards that company in its long-term operations and profitability. So risk mitigation is the driver in the form of, in some ways, it can be thought of as a financial incentive to decarbonize. What are some of the other financial incentives that are driving a push towards decarbonization? There are some more positive incentives that serve as drivers behind that business case for decarbonization. So an example, another example, involves the tangible savings that can result from implementing more sustainable operating practices. So in our research and what we've seen firsthand is that energy efficiency measures, electrification, those types of projects, they can reduce operational expenses, sometimes upward of 20 to 30 percent. So it's a very significant savings potential there. And then additionally, the commitment to decarbonization can open the door to capital and to funding from financial institutions and investors. So many of the investors today are now considering environmental, social, and governments or ESG criteria when they're making those investment decisions. And decarbonization really becomes an appealing and financially rewarding choice for businesses. Hello, cleantech enthusiasts. If you enjoy cleantech talk and cleantechnica, please consider pitching in a few dollars a month at cleantechnica.com slash support. That's cleantechnica.com slash support, where you can sign up in seconds with a credit card, pitch in a few dollars a month or whatever you like. Some people actually contribute $100 a month to help us cover climate change and clean tech and try to help the world one word at a time. Thank you. Now, you mentioned that some companies, especially in that mid-market, they don't know how to get started. So what can these companies do? So the sustainability software industry is just exploding with solutions. And these are solutions that can help companies really get started on the journey. Everyone is trying to figure out at the moment, how do we track our carbon emissions to meet our goals? Um, And that's certainly one thing that companies can do and should do immediately to get started. But just knowing those carbon emissions isn't enough. 
So companies have to take real action and demonstrate to their stakeholders that they're making some progress on this journey. And this is where software, I believe, has an important role to play for companies that, particularly for those companies that don't know where to start. So at Zygo, we built software to enable an end-to-end -end journey for the user, which includes things like emission, emissions calculations and tracking, carbon planning and reduction, education and learning, and then point solutions that really support the implementation of those decarbonization initiatives. And we do it in a unique way. It's provided under a single ecosystem and it's built to be very self-serve in nature or SaaS. So the software needs to simplify the complex to make it easy for any companies to use. And it really needs to serve as a digital assistant to guide them through themselves and allow them to make progress. And so here are a couple of concrete use cases that come to mind just to sort of animate this, this a little bit further. So if you're a larger enterprise and you need access to a variety of different decarbonization solutions, so say you want to go to market for a renewables power purchase agreement or you'd like to better understand if there are any emerging clean technologies that you should be considering. You can leverage products in our portfolio today like Zygo Power and Zygo Network to help you in those areas. If you are a mid-market user, and that's where we started this, is how do we get the mid-market kind of started on the journey? If you're a mid-market company who is just beginning and you have no idea where to start, we've built a very specific product that we call Zygo Activate that provides that digital handholding and that is assistance through all the phases of carbon tracking, through planning, through implement, through to implementation as well. So That's if you're feeling stuck and you're uncertain about where to start, my strong recommendation is just to consider using software as your guide. So we understand decarbonization is business critical. You've given us a couple of examples of where you would start this. Can you talk about what you mean by decarbonization software? Because like, how can software decarbonize me, right? Sure. Yeah, it's a great question. So decarbonization software is something I'm sure can be defined in multiple different ways. But to me, it's about software that works beyond just carbon measurement. It's software that enables users to understand the context of their emissions of today, and then importantly, to take that action to reduce those emissions. So it's really about that ability to catalyze action. That's what we think sets decarbonization software apart from conventional sustainability or traditional ESG type software. And I think of this, I like to think of it as a digital Swiss army knife. So decarbonization software is really providing versatility and usefulness to serve multiple needs for multiple types of companies really depending on where they are on this sustainability journey and the problems that they need to solve. So what are some of the key benefits that businesses can expect from implementing the decarbonization software? Implementing decarbonization software in your business can offer a wide range of benefits. And one of those key benefits is really the increased transparency that it provides. So the software acts as a single pane of glass. It can give you a view into how your business operates and which specific actions are actually contributing to the reduction of your carbon emissions. And so that transparency piece is really critical for making informed decisions and then tracking the effectiveness or even the ROI of your uh, sustainability efforts. So I sort of picture that as a control center for all things sustainability. And the right software should simplify the data collection, the analysis, the reporting, to allow you to keep a close eye on your carbon footprint and then monitor progress toward those decarbonization goals in, in almost near real time. 
And with all this information at your fingertips, it's much easier to fine tune your strategies and ensure that every department in your organization is on the same page when it comes to decarbonization priorities. And that's in Zygo Activate. The transparency can be is, is offered in all of the products that we deliver to users, really. And with the transparency that the software delivers, you know, it not only enhances that accountability, but empowers the user to make data-driven decisions. And so this is where another benefit is that the software becomes a tool that can assist companies in tracking progress and reporting to those stakeholders. And when you think about things like the use of AI or large language models like ChatGPT, deep learning technologies, really for the first time ever, we are able to process, organize, and analyze data faster, more accurately, and more efficiently than we ever have been in the past. And it's that automation and speed that software delivers that's really going to be essential in helping companies to scale the progress that they're making around decarbonization. We've talked about the transparency and the reporting so we can really measure the results of our decarbonization efforts. How are we measuring the return on investment when it comes to the money spent on decarbonization efforts? So measuring the ROI of your decarbonization efforts and the software you're using is a real critical aspect to ensuring that your sustainability initiatives aren't just environmentally responsible, but financially sound. So if we, if we break that down just a little bit further, when it comes to your decarbonization efforts, it's essential to first establish your clear objectives and specific goals. So what are you trying to achieve for the, through these initiatives? Are you looking to reduce carbon emissions, lower your energy costs? Are you looking to enhance your operational efficiency? Or do you wanna do all of it, which we hear from most companies? And once you've defined those objectives, you can start tracking that progress. And this involves collecting data on emissions, energy consumption, and cost savings. Over time, you can compare those metrics, you set a baseline, you compare to your baseline, and then you determine the financial impact and other impacts of those efforts. In terms of the software, what you want to think about is the cost of implementing and maintaining it. So in this context, you need to look at things like your licensing fees, training, and any other necessary costs that you might have with custom integrations or things like APIs and system integrations that might be required. And so that's the software piece. On the other side of the equation, you'll want to identify and quantify the benefits that the software provides. And this could include things like time savings, more efficient data collection and reporting, and just overall improved decision-making that's data-informed. So you look at how the software really streamlines your sustainability initiatives and contributes to your overall operational efficiency. And you need to remember, too, that there are non-financial benefits. There's enhanced reputation. There's customer loyalty. There's the fact that you're now complying with regulations and avoiding penalties associated with that. So these are elements that you know may or may not have direct monetary value, but they're important to consider in the overall ROI equation. So, you know, when we look at some of the challenges and obstacles that the businesses that you're working with are facing when they're looking at decarbonization software, what are some of the most common ones that you see that you can help businesses overcome? Some of those key challenges when implementing decarbonization software really, you know, center around three different areas that come to mind. One is cost, the second is around data, and then the third is, is overall change management. And so just to talk about those very briefly, on the cost side, the upfront and ongoing costs sometimes associated with software 
can pose challenges. And we see this in particular with smaller businesses that have very limited budgets. On the data side, it's really about how to ensure that the availability of accurate and high quality data is there. Um, and that you know the software is able to seamlessly integrate with existing systems, so you have a complete data set that you're working with. And then finally, you know sometimes the the real challenge can rest with our people. So this is about you know introducing new software, which can then necessitate a cultural shift within the organization, and that requires change management internally to really make sure you're securing buy-in and driving adoption and usage of the software. But despite these hurdles, it's really important to remember that implementing decarbonization software can bring significant benefits, both in terms of success to your business and that important environmental impact as well. So, okay, so we we, we went into detail, I think, pretty in-depth into what some of these challenges are. How do we overcome them? So on the cost and budget side, you know, I... I mentioned that it's especially a challenge for smaller businesses, there are strategies that can address this. As you're shopping for software, you could consider using lighter weight SaaS software or kind of DIY self-serve software, right? And this often provides a more cost-effective solution for you as a user. These tools typically are more affordable. They utilize subscription and pay-per-use models that just make it easier to fit within limited budgets. On the data and integration side, you know, data collection can indeed be a really major barrier. And so in order to overcome this, you need to find decarbonization software that automates data collection and that offers streamlined methods for calculating emissions. And we do this today in our product called Zygo Activate, where there's a simple AI-enabled tool that will scrape relevant consumption and usage data from utility invoices then match that to an appropriate emissions factor and automatically calculate your emissions in any given month for any site. And it all That's starts cool. With, it is very cool. And it all starts with just a simple photo of an invoice. You upload that image to Zygo Activate. This all happens in a matter of seconds with no human intervention required on the back end. And and on the change management side, I think this is where especially smaller companies or like, you know, I think of construction fleets, I think of multi-vehicle fleets and municipalities that are struggling with budget and sure, maybe they're on board with the lower cost of ownership, total cost of ownership of an electric vehicle, but that initial purchase is what's holding them back or maybe they're resistant to it for whatever reason. How do you, how does software help facilitate that change management on the human level? So I think when you're working through that change management within an organization, you know, it's it's just really essential to involve the right stakeholders from the early stages. So when you're thinking about the software, you want to check that it's intuitive for your teams to use. So, you know, to sort of get to your question of how does the software help, the software should be designed in a way that it's going to help to facilitate and automate kind of the tasks that a variety of different users within a company will need it for. You need to make sure that your software provider is able to give you the customer success team that will support you. So no doubt, you know, you'll get stuck at some point with software, but you have to make sure that your vendor is able to provide that adequate support. And then in terms of kind of pre-selling it to your stakeholders internally, you want to make sure that you're highlighting the benefits and those benefits should be not just in terms of sustainability, but also how does the software make you know, their daily work more efficient? 
And this is really going to help you in structuring and getting, you know, the buy-in from structuring the business case and getting the buy-in from your team to make that transition smoother. So, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the data. One of the ways that the AI can help get data out of a utility bill and some of the heavy lifting that that's doing there. How, what role does that data play in making the business case for decarbonization software? Data is at the heart of everything that we do, and accurate data is the foundation for understanding your carbon emissions, identifying those opportunities to reduce, and then tracking progress towards your goals. And so the software really allows businesses to collect, analyze, and visualize that data in an actionable way. And it provides insights into where the emissions are originating, which processes are the most carbon intensive, and where we can make the most impact. But it also takes it one step further and uses your data to provide recommended actions that you should take to reduce those emissions. And we can do that by project. We can also provide relevant solution providers that can help you get closer to your goals. So an example to illustrate this comes from a product that we have called Zygo Power, which is a digital procurement tool to accelerate the really complex process of renewable energy transactions through power purchase agreements. In Zygo Power, we offer the users a feature that we call Match Score. So this provides users on the corporate buyer side with a really clear view into which offers submitted by developers in the market best match their buying requirements. And so this considers requirements that they might have around price. They might have some specific requirements about PPA start date, technology type. But the purpose of this feature is to streamline and automate the shortlisting of initial offers that can then move into more in-depth negotiations in future rounds. And so in all of our tenders, we've seen a really great response to that simplification and speed that the match score feature provides in helping to accelerate the PPA process. So this is where, you know, data is just central in everything that we do within Zygo. So that's awesome. You gave a really great example of how the software can work. Can you give us an example of a, a company maybe that's using this kind of software, this kind of data in the real world to help you know, gain a strategic advantage as they decarbonize? There are dozens of companies that are utilizing software for decarbonization and sustainability. I mean, a few that come to mind, you have a company like you know, T-Mobile who utilizes software to decarbonize their operations and have also led in the areas of purchasing renewables through VPPAs. And then they leverage that from a marketing perspective against their competitors in the telecom space. Another example comes from the pharmaceutical industry where you've got the likes of AstraZeneca, GSK, Pfizer, and there are about a dozen other leading pharma companies who have joined forces to decarbonize their value chains. And so they're utilizing software and starting to take steps through a program called Energize to help their suppliers to really accelerate renewable energy access and adoption. And then a final example is our own company, Schneider Electric, which you know we've integrated sustainability into everything we do. So that's operations, it's our supply chain, it's our product portfolios. And as you look across all these companies, I think it's no surprise that these are brands that really resonate with environmentally conscious investors, with environmentally conscious customers and employees alike. Yeah, I agree. I think this is great stuff. So th- this is all so interesting stuff and right. And we're like really on the cutting edge of a lot of new emergent technologies. You mentioned AI, we're talking about language models, we're talking about 
you know, some of the ways that uh, all this data can come together. What do you foresee as like the future of decarbonization software? Like looking ahead, what does this kind of software look like a couple of years from now? So I think the future is really promising. I think what you're going to see, you'll see the software continue to evolve with AI. So that is certainly one point. But I think what we're also going to see is that decarbonization software is going to become even more integrated into business operations. And so as sustainability continues to be a key opportunity and concern for businesses, businesses are going to see decarbonization as a strategic imperative and they'll want to invest more and need to invest more into these types of solutions. And are there any other emerging trends or innovations that you think businesses should be aware of that you guys can, because of your position in the industry that you guys can see coming that maybe they can't see because they don't have the benefit of Schneider Electric's 30,000 foot view? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, I keep an eye on the rise of blockchain which is going to provide more transparency around carbon accounting and even renewables as well. So even though blockchain as a concept has been around for many years, I think we've only scratched the surface on what it will be able to do. There is, you know, advanced AI and machine learning applications, which we've talked about already, but that's going to be a massive accelerator for predictive analytics and decarbonization. So these technologies are going to make it easier and more efficient to just track and overall kind of reduce your emissions footprint. There are other things like tax credit transfers, and those present a new structure for corporates in the U.S. in particular to invest in renewable energy. In some cases, they'll get certificates along with these tax credits. There's also a lot of buzz around that. And then I think we'll continue to hear more about green hydrogen, especially since the IRA included significant tax credits for that technology. So I expect we'll see the applications and the infrastructure for it expand really quickly in the years ahead. So, you know, to, to kind of wrap this up and, and give us some key takeaways for the listeners, what would you like them to remember about the business case for decarbonization software? What's the two minute summary? I think the key takeaway is that decarbonization isn't just about environmental responsibility. It's a smart business move. So it improves efficiency. It saves money. It attracts customers and investors. And adopting the right decarbonization software is a cost-effective way to make tangible progress, real progress on your carbon reduction goals, and also empower your teams to take action. So don't see it as a cost. See it as an investment in the long-term health of your business. I, I just love that. I think that's a great little nugget of wisdom. Don't see it as a cost, see it as an investment. Do you have any other like little tidbits of advice like that for businesses that are looking at making their first steps towards decarbonization? My advice is to start now. So begin with a sustainability assessment, set some clear goals, implement decarbonization software. If you need to do these things in stages, do it in stages, but don't let the complex world of decarbonization overwhelm you because for some it can be really daunting. And where possible, just try to simplify by focusing on taking one step at a time. So again, that first step might be set a goal that aligns with your business objectives. Then you might wanna identify a single project that makes sense based on your budget, based on the resources you have, and based on again, tracking toward that goal, and then so on and so forth. So each project is gonna get you a little bit closer to your target, Don't underestimate the power of data. So let your data be your compass. Um, You'll need it to better understand kind of where you begin and how you're progressing along the way. 
Well, that's great stuff. I feel like we've kind of covered some of the basics of decarbonization software and uh, why it's such an important part of business going forward. I hope the listeners, uh, I think the listeners are going to have a much better understanding of how software can help them decarbonize. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. And uh, for everyone listening in, remember, this is the first of a small series of episodes that we're going to do here with Zygo. You'll be able to go to cleantechnica.com and find the entire series there and also follow along on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your quality podcasts. And uh, Laura, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thanks for having me, Joe. Of course. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thank you.